Welcome everyone, and thank you for being a part of Becker's Health IT Revenue Cycle Virtual Event. My name is Brian Zimmerman. I'm the Custom Content Editor with Becker's Hospital Review, and I'll be your moderator for this session as we discuss using technology and innovation to enhance the patient experience. Uh, we've got a wonderful group here, uh, so we're gonna, we're gonna dive in pretty quickly. Uh, I'll just ask the panelists to introduce themselves, and then we'll get to some questions. So, Aaron, you wanna kick things off with a brief introduction? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Aaron Martin. I'm the Chief Digital Officer for Providence. We're a health system based in Seattle, uh, 51 uh, hospitals and about $25 billion in revenue, around 120,000 caregivers. So we span kind of the East Coast. Uh, my role responsibilities include uh, marketing for the organization, uh, digital. So we have a software engineering team based up in Seattle of around 100 uh, software engineers and uh, also, uh, um, uh, Providence Ventures. So we have a $300 million venture fund with uh, 18 portfolio companies within it. Dr. Snyder, how about you go next? Sorry about that, I was on mute. Oh, that's okay. I'm Philip Snyder, I'm the CMIO at the Guthrie Clinic. We're located in Northeast Pennsylvania and also Southeast New York. We have five hospitals, around 500, just shy of 600 uh, providers. Uh, we've been an Epic shop since 2003, just hit 10 gold stars this year. And um, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Snyder. And Alpha, why don't you round us out here? Great, thanks, Brian. Uh, so, hi everyone. I'm Alpa Vias. I'm the Vice President for Patient Experience at Stanford Healthcare. We are an academic medical center uh, based in Northern California and part of Stanford University and Stanford Medicine. Um, and uh, I'm excited to be a part of this conversation as we've been working to um, really bring uh, innovation and technology um, into not only um, our ambulatory environments, but also extending it um, all the way through the continuum of care. And uh, most recently um, in the opening of our new hospital um, back in November. So thank you. Thank you for being here, Alpa. And I'm gonna I'm gonna ha ask you to start us off with an answer to the to my first question. Then we'll have our other panelists weigh in. But the first question I have is just how has the pandemic influenced or altered your thinking around the best ways to improve the patient experience? Sure, thanks. And it's a great question and one that I know is on all of our minds. Um, not only um, at the beginning of kind of this year as COVID um, became a uh, a definitive part of our um, lives as healthcare um, practitioners and, and workers. Um, the word connected really comes to mind um, to me for, for several reasons. And I think, you know, the need to stay connected to patients and families and even to each other's as clinicians and members of the care team and, you know, the pandemic and um, uh, COVID has also highlighted uh, to me what patients continue to value um, in their relationship with their individual um, uh, providers and physicians, and that the organizations that where they choose to get their care, and the notion of trust, expertise, quality, and really keeping them safe, especially during um, very uncertain times. And with the safety measures of sheltering in place, social distancing, how we stay connected um, has really pushed us to think more creatively, more empathically as to how do we maintain um, that trust in those relationships that 
um, we've established. So really thinking through how do we leverage the technology that we've invested in to help um, one, bridge the initial gap, but now starting to create new ones. I, I love that idea of building trust and connectivity and using technology uh, uh, to do. Is there a specific example of that you can share of how, how you're thinking about doing that? Sure. I think with uh, most um, uh, organizations, certainly um, uh, Guthrie and Providence, I'm sure, have thought through this with the onset of um, COVID and the pivot towards um, video visits and um, telehealth, platforms had to scale pretty quickly. Um, and so not only uh, using video visits and telehealth technology to deliver care, I'm a big fan of what I call upcycling. So how do we kind of recreate or re-envision um, investments that we've already made to now um, be used in additional use cases or needs from patients? So how do we use our video visit technology to not only um, have patients interact with physicians and care teams, but also invite in others. Um, so we're an academic medical center. So inviting in our residents and fellows into the process of teaching, but also family members who might be um, unable to be with their loved ones during that time in the outpatient visit. And we're also reimagining how we can leverage these technologies in our inpatient environment as well. And I can talk later about some of the work we're doing with our patient portal. For sure, we, we can get to that, definitely. Um, Dr. Snyder, Aaron, any, anything you wanna hook on there to, to Alpha's comments? Anything you'd like to add about how you're thinking about uh, the patient experience now? Well, I would say for, from my angle as a physician, um, patients come to us scared, uncertain, they're just not sure how to navigate the system. And, you know, they really need us to be an advocate, advisor, guide through that process. And COVID has just amplified that. Um, I think it's, it's, a, it's a way for, for us as, as, um, as, as healthcare providers to also realize that, that we are in that shoes. You know, we're all worried about, you know, are we going to get COVID? Are family members going to get COVID? Are we going to pass it to them? So I think it's been a way for us to... Um, have some more empathy for patients and what they're going through, but also make sure we step up and, 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 and maintain that, that advocate role that, that we have for our patients and just realize that everybody is, is worried here and, and give a little bit of buffer. If, if somebody comes in a little upset, they're a little unsure, you know, people, people do that when, when we get scared. So um, mm -hmm. for, for me, that, that's what is, is kind of, foremost when I'm seeing patients or, 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 or talking to people about uh, using our technology. Great, great. Yeah, it, you know, you got to be patient with folks in 2020, right? Uh, it's a, a tough time. So, Aaron, anything, anything to add there? Yeah, I think one of the things that um, we, we did during COVID is, you know, in the midst of the response, we also had our digital strategy team kind of go back and recheck re our assumptions about what's going to matter in digital and what's going to move the needle. And we um, go through a pretty thorough process every single year. Um, you know, most of my team comes from, you know, most of that team comes from consulting and, and Amazon. And, and so what we did is, you know, what we usually do internally is we publish these white papers, uh, you know, thoroughly researched with, you know, hundreds of interviews. Uh, we work with our clinical and operations teams to kind of rank, 
and size and prioritize where we think the digital opportunities are going to be. We call them needle movers. Um, and then we kind of do a, a, a planning process around that. Uh, when COVID hit, uh, that team, I asked them to kind of, you know, refresh that analysis, if you will. And we actually published it. So if you go, uh, if you look online for Providence, Providence Digital Insights, you'll see we've, you know, uh, published for free. Um, anybody can kind of download them. Effectively, the white papers that we used to use internally, but it was a result of about 100 different interviews across the industry. We talked to obviously about 75 operators and clinicians and senior management folks within Providence, but we also talked to about 25 folks outside of our organization, other health systems, former FDA administrator, former uh, CMS administrator, uh, folks like that, to really get a sense as to how, um, how COVID is going to impact the industry and what the resulting kind of digital challenges and opportunities are. And I mean, the summary I would give to you is, um, there's gonna be some pretty substantial things that are gonna happen, at least in terms of kind of what we found. One is um, everything that was happening is going to happen a lot quicker. Uh, and you're gonna see a bifurcation of the market. Um, there are gonna be you know, people going into narrow networks and we can talk more about that later. And uh, also uh, a very a much more robust kind of consumer market for purchasing. And that sounds like two kind of contradictory statements. But what's happening is, is as an unemployment goes up, as we saw in kind of 2008, um, you're going to see more people um, with no insurance or with high deductible plans purchasing and shopping for care. Similarly, you're going to see because of the big national players and in, in insurance are going to drive IDNs into partnerships with kind of local payers or if they've got uh, you know, provider sponsored health plans into narrower networks. So it sounds kind of contradictory, but both things are gonna happen simultaneously. And they both have huge implications in terms of um, the distribution of care virtually um, that we can talk about later. I think those are some fascinating couple of points there. And I, I was also struck by the comment of like the things that are happening are going to accelerate and happen faster. And I think that's certainly true of, of virtual care, right, of, of telehealth adoption. Yeah. And so the other I, thing, too, is, that, is this time last year, you know, I was going around the industry, you know, kind of banging pots and pans saying we need to get ready for a massive digital disruption as an industry. And the disruptors I was contemplating were the usual suspects. So Amazon with Amazon Care, Google, Apple. Um, little did I know it was going to be a pandemic. And the pandemic did all the work for the disruptors. And so now they basically, you know, the pandemic has, has effectively put our patients online. They've experienced great telehealth services, sometimes mediocre telehealth services, I would argue. But regardless, they realize that they can be taken care of remotely. And that is removed a lot of the adoption and trial work that these big tech companies would otherwise have to do. So the sense of urgency for health systems should be even higher now because effectively, you know, the pandemic has moved an offline customer base that these tech companies would have to kind of work hard to kind of get to use and trial technology, forced it online. And these and you know, the patients have realized this is not so bad, right? This is actually a good way of being taken care of in a lot of instances. And that is just teeing that up for disruption. And so we're in a very vulnerable place uh, as, as health systems right now. 
in thinking about that and thinking about how virtual care has sort of expanded, the disruption has happened. Um, you know, there to circle back to something Alpha mentioned, where it still has to feel like that, build that trust, right? So think about how do you how do you deliver virtual care that still feels in, in, interpersonal and maybe individualized. Um, uh, Alpha, do you? I would like to revisit that with you, and then uh, hear from Aaron and Dr. Snyder as well. Yes, sure. So, you know, kind of building on what Aaron uh, talked about, I mean, the disruption came by way of pandemic and the scaling of the platform certainly happened um, quickly and continue, I think, to evolve. And as a patient experience leader, one of the things I want to understand is um, how are patients um, experiencing, what are their perceptions and feelings in this kind of new or expanded uh, channel of delivery? Um, so I think as most health systems, we were dabbling in video visits and telehealth capabilities, but again, the pandemic really blew the door open in being able to pivot quickly to that being the primary um, channel for care delivery, certainly when the shelter in place orders were there. Um, my team's also been working on, you know, how do we really understand the experience um, for patients, uh, like I said, in this new channel. So we actually redesigned a new video visit um, survey um, to really understand where the opportunities are. And we mapped the patient experience or the journey through the video visit um, experience and um, to really ask uh, and determine what the focused and dynamic questions are that we are going to be um, asking patients, uh, not only about their experiences, their preferences uh, when it came to the technical aspects of uh, video visits. So whether they chose to um, conduct their visit over a, um, a, a tablet, a cell phone, a computer, et cetera, as well as the inner uh, personal aspects of the interaction because um, we really want to understand what the nuances and differences are. And as we started collecting feedback, um, the early kind of insights point to um, the investments that we've made um, in helping our care teams focus on the communication aspect um, and how information is shared in this newer medium. So communicating um, and how well patients understood what was being shared with them during the video visits was directly linked to their overall um, experience of the video visits. And Something that I, I really like to um, dig into and read are the comments um, that are left um, by patients. And we hear this from providers as well now is about being able to actually see patients and physicians in their own unique environments, um, helping them to make connections um, that maybe in um, previous interactions they haven't been able to do. Um, and it could be simple things like photographs or paintings on their uh, wall in their office or a child or family member who, because of shelter in place, have been able to join um, them for a visit. And so all of these things are certainly additive in enhancing um, the experience um, through this uh, new channel. Yeah, I think that's, that's fascinating, uh, sort of that... Uh that idea of like, you know, we're all seeing, getting a look into everybody else's home uh, these days. So uh, taking that and really trying to make, make, give that a personal touch, uh, I think is a great way to go about it. Dr. Snyder, I'm curious as, as, as a physician, what you, what you would say on this question? Well, uh, two, two areas that, that I think are really important to focus on, we, we've heard about, you gotta have your technology ready to go. 
you know, we, we ended up shifting over our trainers to creating a white glove uh, customer service experience where we called patients up before, made sure the connectivity was good, uh, make sure that they knew how all the apps were downloaded. Uh, also, you have, have to have training. I think we're moving from the uh, bedside manner to website manner, where you have to make sure that people have their environment set up right, so there's not a lot of distractions. Also, it's important to know um, what patients may not be showing you for a video visit because sometimes they may be a little embarrassed about their their situation at home. Sometimes you may have a patient as a hoarder. Uh, they they just but it also can give you a lot of insight, like Alpha said, to what is their home situation. And we found particularly for behavioral health issues, it offers a a sense of anonymity where they may be reluctant to come into the office because they don't want to see a friend or a neighbor in the office that asks, you know, what are you here for? So they can have that visit and, and feel a lot more comfortable with that more private conversation. And so I, I think it's, it's going, we're gonna see a, a model evolve where we will be able to do long-term chronic disease management, but we might have some visits video, some visits they need to come in and have that foot exam or the eye exam. But I think we've got an opportunity to have really creative approaches in how we deliver medicine. And, and um, just like Aaron was saying, I think it's going to be a big disruption, but if we do it the right way, it can very, be a very positive experience and realize you don't have to come in face to face for all these interactions that we used to think. It reminds me when I was a, a medical student in the uh, mid 2000s and first hearing that, oh, you could manage a DVT outside of the hospital, you know, a simple DVT of the leg. And everyone's like, oh, there's no way you can do that. It's like, well, guess what? We're doing it now and people are, are doing fine. So I think just being willing to challenge ourselves to think out of the box, uh, we're, we're gonna end up seeing so many things that we thought were impossible, you know, even this time next year. Some really uh, great points about sort of, you know, making sure you have that, that technology set up so you can get to the, the, the real patient interaction. And then also for chronic care management, I imagine it, it's a really good thing, perhaps be able to know more about the patient's surroundings and what kind of life they're leading at home. Um, Aaron, I, I want to turn to you for a question about sort of, you know, all the thinking about all the, all the research your team has done and all the, the ways you've tried to prepare for, for digital disruption or, or healthcare's future. Uh, how can you, how can hospital leaders ensure that sort of like these technology solutions or where they're investing or where, how they're thinking about innovation are actually going to yield tangible benefits to patients. Um, basically, I'm asking about in, in a time where maybe resources are, are thin, how can, how can you take a practical approach to innovation? Yeah, I think um, there, there's a couple of things I would kind of points I would make on this. Um, first is, um, you need to step out outside, outside of healthcare to understand what's coming, right? So, you know, prior to uh, Providence, I spent almost 10 years at Amazon. And one of the things we always talked about in every project we worked on is self-service is the best service. Meaning we always viewed it as if you're having to do something in our world, administrative, like schedule an appointment or call a human being to, to schedule an appointment or email someone, um, that's a customer service failure from our point of view. 
Uh, and so, you know, patients should be able to access care, access care when, where, and however they want, right? Um, and they should be able to do most of the work that, you know, is relevant to them digitally, uh, you know, in a self-service format if they so desire, right? Um, and so I think that's a first principle just to kind of think about with respect to the consumer experience. I think what we're, as an industry, we're, we're, we, had, we had been making investments, you know, in digital for six and a half years because when I first joined, um, you know, from a disruptor to an incumbent, you know, uh, first question I asked myself is, when you join an incumbent, you should think about like, what is gonna kill you first, right? So in other words, like what would happen to um, really put your, 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 your organization in jeopardy? And for us, it was, you know, what we thought about and when we talked to other health systems, they, they tend to agree is, if you lose your commercial patient market, right? Because in our world, and I'm sure this is probably true for Stanford and it's probably true for the Guthrie Clinic, um, you know, private insurance pay, you know, con commercial patients pay the bills for our ability to serve Medicare and Medicaid patients, right? So we serve everyone and we're, we have a mission to serve everyone, including the poor and vulnerable, but we can't do that if we lose our commercial patient base to uh, disruptors. And last time I checked, uh, disruptors tend to only go after the part of the market that's profitable, right? So if you do that kind of transitive, you know, property, um, what are those commercial patients like? It's everybody on this panel and it's everybody in the audience. They're all using digital right now and they also value convenience uh, in, in, in their care, right? And so we six and a half years ago really started to invest in digital. So my first point to your question is, it's existential, it's not optional, right? So it's not one of these things where you can say, well, is this amount okay to get this, uh, you know, this, this, this kind of benefit, right? Um, if you don't do it, your organization is in severe jeopardy. And also don't delude yourself to the fact that you set up a bunch of Zoom licenses during the pandemic and you're good, right? That's a really, to have to call to set up a video appointment is absurd, right? So you should be able to schedule it. It should be seamless and frictionless, right? So fortunately, we kind of put these investments in place, you know, six and a half years ago. They scaled wonderfully during uh, the pandemic. It scaled 30x kind of day over day at one point. Um, and so, so we we're kind of in a good position from a digital standpoint. And then the last point I'll make is, even if you don't believe this is an existential threat, um, I will tell you that the digital channel is our fastest growing patient uh, population or channel for new patients. So we are, if you look at kind of the rest of our business, it's, you know, it kind of grows two or 3% per year. Um, this part of our business grows uh, in excess of 40%, even during the pandemic. Um, you know, despite the fact that most clinics were shut down, you know, there's a lot of disruption for three or four months within our markets. Second thing is, is our commercial mix in this channel is about 80%, which is about double what it is in other channels. And then, you know, 30% of these patients are new to us. And then we have an extremely high NPS score in the 90s, which is kind of, to give you a benchmark, Amazon and Apple typically score in the 60s. So it, it's, it's a great customer experience. We're getting, um, and not surprisingly, it's not because we're picking and choosing which patients come through that digital door. It just so happens 
that most of those patients are commercially insured patients, right? And so the point being is, let's say that we, the point being is, is, is going back to, you know, my prior point is, all those patients are now online expecting digital care. If we don't respond quickly as an industry and aggressively, um, it is an existential problem to us for most of our businesses if we're cross-subsidized like we are, right? If you're a 100% commercial business, you're in even more trouble, right? Or if you're, I, you know, I can't think of a situation where it's, this, is, this would be a good outcome for a health system to, to lose that, that part of your business. And, and again, we are a very mission-focused organization. Uh, we focus on, you know, Medicare, Medicare and Medicaid. And the only reason why I'm talking about the importance of the commercial business is because I want to be able to continue that, met, that, that mission. Right. To, to take it back to your point, they're framing it as an existential thing, right? Like it's not an option to not think about the commercial patients because we have to, right? We have to think about what they need. Yeah, I hear um, a lot of people frame it as like a growth opportunity or something kind of nice to have. It's not. It's something that if you do the economics of your business as a health system, if you lose that segment that cross-subsidizes every other part of your, your business, you're in deep financial trouble and you will have a hard time as an organization fulfilling your mission to your community. Yeah, so some important things to think about there. And as we're, we're getting closer on time, I think we'll maybe have time for one last question here and then I'll move to some takeaways. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure each of you get some time to, to give the audience some key takeaways. But uh, sort of beyond telehealth, thinking about telehealth, I mean, like to, to some of Aaron's points, like, it, it, you know, health systems are really capable of, of scaling up these solutions, maybe perhaps more than uh, people thought before the pandemic. So, but what technologies are you thinking about that will have the greatest influence on patient experience, say, in the next five years? Uh, Alpa, did you want to kick us off? Sure, happy to. Um, I think the way that I think about the experience, we um, really approach it from what are the needs that our patients and families are really um, either expressing um, explicitly or um, sharing with us through more implicit um, ways. And for me, we have um, a great um, platform in terms of our um, patient portal. We have um, over 800,000 um, of our patients that are subscribed um, to our patient portal. And that is a fantastic platform um, by which to continue um, engagement of our existing patients and attraction of new patients um, to our health system. And so to me, there's been a lot of kind of traditional emphasis on how do you optimize the experience when patients are within the four walls of the institution. Looking beyond that, how do we, again, stay connected to patients and families um, in between those episodes of care? So really taking a holistic view, leveraging technology, um, you know, the, the patient engagement platform being one of them, and then applying some of the more um, um, unconventional uh, uh, ways of understanding um, patient preferences and needs. So, you know, the, the notion of AI and ML have existed in industries outside of healthcare um, for a really long time. Um, experiences are curated and personalized using some of that um, interesting uh, technology. And I know here at Stanford, we are really looking to see how do we start building in those capabilities to really um, bring that level of personalization um, to our patients um, by uh, leveraging information that they've already shared with us. So whether you want to call it 
a connected experience or more traditionally uh, really thinking about these elements of customer relationship management or CRM and integrating it through the entire um, continuum um, of care. So really kind of um, uh, expanding this definition of relationship management beyond just the call centers and the marketing team, but really how do you weave in this entire philosophy through um, that lifetime engagement um, of a patient or family member with the, with the healthcare organization. Yeah, I love that idea of thinking about it as a, as a philosophy, right? Um, Dr. Snyder, I, I wanna give you a chance to weigh in here before we move to takeaways. Okay, so I, I look at this as what, how can we see an impact on when patients are actually with us face to face? And that's where the ambient listening technology really excites me where you have microphones in the office and in the exam room, and I'm able to actually, this is me in the future, but I'm able to place orders, um, talk, ask the patient questions, um, actually ask the system to chart for me, and I'm actually making eye contact with the patient, and I'm not sitting there typing on a computer and, and detracting from that interaction. My goal as a physician should be to develop the relationship and make complex medical decisions. That's it. Everything else should be automated for me. Outside this system, I think that uh, more robust patient portals, as we start getting more and more capabilities with that, is crucial. Like Aaron said, self-service is so important, and I know Alpha's done a lot of work on their portal, and, and I think that's a big direction. Also, more sophisticated wearables. Most of us walk around with some type of device that measures something about us, and that's just gonna get more and more robust. And then that blends us to the remote patient monitoring. So having a spectrum of capabilities for patients who are healthy, that we wanna keep that way, they're sort of on the cusp, to they already have a disease entity that we need to monitor. And I think the technology is gonna allow us to get more and more sophisticated with that. Really, uh, really struck by that idea of like, you know, the ambient intelligence allowing sort of the, the physician, the clinician to represent the human elements of care, right? Because the rest of it's all automated. Um, I think that, that's some fascinating points there. Let, let's go ahead and move the takeaways as we're, as we're pressing up on time here. Uh, Dr. Snyder, we can start with you. So just one or two uh, quick key takeaways to leave our attendees with today. I think one of the things I'd like to just just remind you, just just always look for the good. There's there's always silver linings in every cloud. Yes, what we're in now with the pandemic, there's a lot of people still worried and uncertain, but you know, look at the conversation we're having today, all the rapid development in technology. We have to just stay focused on how to be creative and resourceful and think out of the box. And when you do that, you kind of free your mind up to, to come up with solutions you never thought before. And, and don't be afraid to imitate. There's nothing wrong with reproducing something that somebody's already done and you can build on that. Excellent, excellent. Um, Aaron, you wanna go next? Then Alpha, you can, you can close this out. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think one of the key takeaways I would say is, is you know, the good news is you know, the, the silver lining is that COVID has pushed a ton of patients to try new digital tools, telehealth and virtual care. Um, the danger for health systems is they're now kind of in the wind, um, especially uh, the, the, the economically 
uh, most valuable ones that kind of support our mission. So it's not a it's not an optional thing right now to invest heavily in your digital um, experience and your brand uh, because we've got the likes of you know CVS Aetna, we've got the likes of you know Amazon uh, Care, we've got the likes of you know. 10 different other kind of disruptors kind of coming after those patients who have now kind of had a great experience uh, digitally. And so what we need to do is, is build a, uh, a frictionless, easy to use, self-service based uh, solution where, you know, what I, I, the way I kind of talk about it is uh, we have this great notion at Providence called uh, the sacred encounter, which is the relationship between the patient and the provider, right? The patient, the physician, the patient, the nurse, whoever's providing care. Our job digitally is to remove all those distractions between, you know, from the patient and the provider so they can kind of focus on that incredible sacred encounter so that they're not distracted kind of going into, into that encounter. And then also, um, you know, where problems can be solved, you know, simply, you know, using AI, uh, using a chatbot or that kind of thing, we should do that because, um, you know, patients want to see a physician they trust when they need to see a physician they trust. Yeah, I love that, the phrasing sacred encounter. I think that's a, that's a great one. Um, Alpo, you want to you close us out here? Sure. Um, and I'll keep it relatively simple. Um, I always start with the need, right? The need of the patient, the need of the family member that we're serving. Um, and to really focus in on that. And, um, you know, it, it's very easy to get distracted, I think. Um, so not technology for technology's sake, but really how does it integrate into the experience of both the patient and the family, as well as the care team, and to be mindful of that. And uh, it's, like I said, it's easy to go after the shiny penny, but I think really intentional about design and integration is important. Intentional is a great a great word for this. Uh, how we're thinking about it, I think uh, some great some great points to to close out here. Dr. Snyder, think outside the box. Aaron, you know, really communicating that sense of urgency, and Alpha really bringing it back to you know what really works for the patient. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of the event. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.